Hello, friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen, and I am joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hi, Levi. How's it going, Jen? It's good. How are you? I'm fine here. I'm looking forward to talking about this upcoming stretch of redone 2.0 finale. Right. And Everything then- up here is brand new compared to when we last played through this segment. Is it? Yeah. All of it? Yes. Every oh, you're piece right. of content yeah. is refreshed. That's right. Wow. Okay. Um, also, this is the day after uh, closing ceremonies of FanFest 2023, and that was very exciting. Um, I know a lot of you were watching the live stream. Um, I was on on Saturday. Um, I couldn't yesterday, unfortunately. I really wanted to watch the the live letter like live because <laughs> I've never done that. But super cool shit. I, this isn't the podcast that talks about you know patch notes and, and stuff. But I encourage you if you can find recordings of of you know like the dev panels. Um, Ishikawa goes into the story of Endwalker 6.0, which is amazing. And then the cosplay was like, some of these people are just so talented. And unfortunately, they don't live stream the concerts, which, ugh, so sad. I'm so devastated that we couldn't get tickets. <laughs> but next time, hopefully. Well, this will be like a month after FanFest by the time it airs. But <laughs> still, yeah, that content is good no matter how recent or Our not recent it is. content is good. Anyway, to today's episode, we are playing up to the quest, A Hero in Need. Your favorite question, what happened last time, Jen? So, oh, we rescued everybody. Like, everybody. Um, we got into Castrum Sentry to get our friends back. That And our friends were Riange, Minfilia, Papalimo, Tataru... So we take Biggs and Wedge, who we rescued the previous episode, do some stuff. We steal a Reaver, we infiltrate, we get our way to get our dudes out. Ishtola and Ida are complete badasses. Um, Sid whisks us away in the nick of time on the Enterprise. We find out that Thankrid has been possessed by an Asian. So now we have to all get together and deal with the ultimate weapon. And so that's what this episode is about. Yes. So we have just escaped from Castrum Sentry and have taken flight on the Enterprise. Meanwhile, we see an Uldan meeting room and the leaders of Eorzea. This is the Fragrant Chamber. Yeah, and it was featured in the uh, the keynote from Saturday where they were showing the graphical update. So they used the Fragrant Chamber specifically to show like before and after. And it is incredible. Anyway, continue. So the Fragrant Chamber is a great sandstone hall. Interestingly, there are a lot of empty seats at this table compared to the leaders who are here, who are Rauban, Nanamo, Kanisena, and Merylvib. They're the only ones in attendance at this meeting. Yeah, they haven't invited the monetarists. Hooray. Thank goodness. They are discussing the Garlean threat and an ultimatum that was just delivered by Gaius von Belzar. So he's got his Ultima weapon now ready to go. And he says pretty much, you know, we got this weapon of mass destruction. We took out all three known primals with this thing. No problem. So you've got an option. Either you bow down, Eorzea, and you surrender to the Empire, or we turn this weapon on you. So all the leaders are ready to do battle, but there has been no word from Ishgard, of course. So as always, the Shgardians say, fuck you all. You solve our problems for us while we deal with our internal shit. You know the Empire is going to be knocking on their door after they're done with the rest of Eorzea. Yeah, and then they've put themselves in a really difficult position because not only do they have to do... Anyway, no, it's a complete hypothetical, but anyway. Oh, sorry. Nanamo is not in the room at the start, but she enters after the other members, the other leaders do the first round of, well, this sucks. And then she comes in, stating that they all must agree on a response together. No one can stand alone against the Empire. So either they unite and defend, or they surrender collectively. Yeah. As this is happening, we make our landing at the Uldan airship dock. We gather on the dock with all the rescuers and rescuees outside the Enterprise. You can talk to all the Scions here and the other members. If you talk to Wedge... 
he's wondering if she was impressed by the rescue. Do you think she might, you know, be impressed by me? So cute. We all are, buddy. Yeah, but he wants that to Taru. Oh, I get it. Like, she is on top of her shit. She's an impressive woman. But if you talk to Tataru, she's just singing a song to herself to calm her nerves. She is oblivious whatsoever to Wedge's interest. Self-care is important. Of course. And Minfilia, of course, is worried about Thancred, but she needs to focus on the immediate threat. So good for her. Focus on the problems that she can solve, which is the Ultima Weapon. We have to hustle and tell Eorzea's leaders that the Scions are still intact, and so we run over to the Chamber of Rule. So continuing inside the Fragrant Chamber, uh, fragrant chamber the Alliance leaders are, they're deep into it, but they haven't yet agreed on anything. Like, this is a really, this is beyond a heavy decision. This is an impossible decision, especially considering that as the Scions, we haven't yet arrived <laughs> to give them, like, our feedback. Kane Sena is a little disturbed that they have yet to agree on a way forward. And what is really heavily coloring the discussion at this point is how soon after the calamity this all is. It's only been five years. This is, it's not been enough time for people to, I mean, we're still rebuilding lives, infrastructure, careers, anything that could be re in the process of rebuilding, it is. She feels like this isn't something they can ask the people to, you know, okay, suit up for war again. I realize we're all just trying to survive here, but, uh, you know, so that doesn't seem like something she can ask people. And especially this Ultima weapon so effortlessly, effortlessly destroyed three primals just like that. You know, what could their weakened forces possibly offer by way of an opposition? Um, and Merleveb essentially mirrors Kanesena's... Uh, attitude, you know, um, they're, we're constantly suffering under this cycle of primal conquest and rebirth, conquest, rebirth, and she's sick of it. But, you know, she's not suggesting that they replace one form of tyranny with another. Yes and no. She says, we don't want to, to bow down. She says something like, um, surrender does not need. Oh, no, mean. no, I got, I got some words for this. So she, she loathes the idea of trading one form of tyranny for another. Correct. But what she says it, after this, I, I'm very disappointed in you, girlfriend. And I quote, conciliation need not mean oppression. I'm sorry. Have you met Gar Garlemald? What did you just say? This is very disappointing. Um, not cool, not cute. And Roban mirrors my sentiments in this case. He's like, y'all, okay, none of you guys said the word surrender, but that is essentially what you're advocating for right now. And like, that's gross. But then he goes on to say, well, I got nothing too. No, he's, well, he says like, I can't disagree with all of your reasons why capitulation is kind of on the table right now. Like, I get it. Um, and then he recalls his, uh, you know, his fiery speech at the Remembrance when he made all of these promises and he hasn't be been able to fulfill a single one. Um, so everybody at the table is feeling a little sorry for themselves at this moment, a little hopeless. It's not a good place. We're not in a good place. So now Nanamo enters the chat. Uh, she tells Raban, you cannot feel shame about what you said. We've all, everybody in this room has been in that position. You are telling the people what they needed to hear in that moment. Since everybody is so just, you know, living life on the bleeding edge and, and hope is uh, moments of, of, of hope and levity or, or whatever, optimism, are few and far between. That's what you needed to say. Don't kick, you know, don't beat yourself up over it. Yes. Thank you, Nanamo. You're Sultana for a reason. Well, it's more like birthright, but you know, she's, she's doing it. <laughs> she's walking the talk. Everything that Nanamo says right now is, is really, really helpful to this, to the discussion. I think it does a lot to kind of lift that, just the air of, <laughs> uh, just pessimism, I guess. So what she says is that, you know, Gaius, he's consistently blaming us for not having the people's best interests at heart. And this is regarding the uncontrolled tribe and primal threats specifically. But straight up, that is fallacious and inflammatory. Uh, despite our flaws, Nanamo says, we have always operated such that our people's well-being is the highest priority. We, that that is true forever. So how can we let him say that to us with a straight face? Also, 
hypocrisy at its finest, because that is something Garlemald cannot say about themselves. Uh, well-being, peace, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, their only stock in trade is war. Suffering, war, conquest, expansion. Gross. Back to Merlveb, and she kind of brings it down again. Where she's, you know, we enlisted outside forces to help us with this. The Scions of the Seventh Dawn. They're gone, and the Black Wolf is at our door. I, the Scions of the Seventh Dawn. Alas, they are gone, and the Black Wolf is at our door. Admiral! I fear you are mistaken! Alphinord, Minfilia, and Seven Hells, Master Garland? And that's when we hear the door open, you know, the Alphino. Admiral, I fear you are mistaken. Oh, and this scene always gives me goosebumps. Always. How always many times the have you seen time, it? Yeah. The second time. <laughs> uh, for the second time, it gave me goosebumps. Um, so this is when the Alliance leadership, for the first time, see that uh, the Scions... And Master Garland are alive. And in the room, we have it's Alfino, it's Menphilia, it's us, and who else? Sid. Sid, duh. Um, and it's such a bummer because they have not yet given us our title. So they're like, Sid, Alfino, Menphilia. Our friend. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, it's it's coming, but you we know. We are like five minutes away from getting the Warrior of Light title officially. Right. I mean, right. just. That's such a fucking soft fart we're at still, the end. I mean, we're still very new. We're like, well, the Icon Slayer is our title at this point, really. To the Imperials, because that's an Imperial term. Right. But the Alliance has no term in voiced scenes by which to refer to us. So, like, it sucks to hear this, you know, really emphatic, oh my god, you're back. Mm-hmm. And my friend, also. That guy. Anyway, it's it's fine. It's just like, I, I'm I'm exciting, too. Well, yeah. It's a weird departure from the. And it's hard when they can't. The, the energy is different too. Is, is a problem. Oh, and my friend. Which is fair because they have known Menphilia and, and not Alfino, but Menphilia and Sid for a long time. Fair, I guess. They we're... were like instrumental in the Battle of Cartineau and all of the drama leading up to that. So, like, that is, that is a relation. Those are relationships that are very deep. That's fair. We're the fourth wheel right now. Kind of, yes, but still very important, and obviously we had no trouble getting in here. Now, Minfilia and Alphano start to tag-team this impassioned speech, calling the Eorzeans to action. If they accept the terms of surrender, they will only intensify the strife that we are currently facing. Desperation will not cause the primal threat to go away, it will actually intensify it, because these groups who are put into a corner will use anything they can to find a way out, which means the primals. And not only will the tribes be doing their thing, but now you've got the people everywhere in Eorzea desperate. And that's, I mean, Minfilia is just straight up like, like, why didn't you guys think of this? Um, Hello, Uh, fast forward the tape. And I'm also, um, I'm a little proud of Alfino in this moment. I think he's gives a, he, he is... He's very good at public speaking. Yes. He's still very young and idealistic, but in this in this scenario right here, he and Menphilia are a very uh, convincing pair. No, this plays right to his strengths. Yes. He gets to be arrogant and proud right now, and that is the correct message. It's, it's the call to arms. Yep. Like, remember just five years ago, the reason y'all were willing to die for this realm? Because, like, so tap into those ideals. Tap into that feeling because we're there again. Yeah. And the Scions also remind the leaders here that Garlean rule is not peace, but oppression. Exactly. It's not going to be a good time. Moral Veb. God damn. <laughs> also, I just want to say this to you, Levi, specifically, because you have opinions on this. But for the record, Gridania was the first to stand up and be like, Gridania will go to war. Gridania will go to war. We will fight the Empire for the sake of the realm and all who abide here. For Connie Senna, uh, uh, this is a very uh, like violent reaction. Yes. <laughs> this is shouting and frothing at the mouth from her oh, on her yeah, scale. Oh, yeah, just the boom yeah. like, with the staff and the floor. I'm like, ooh. Woof. So, Grudenio's first. Finally. (laughs) 
With this reality check, the rulers renew their resolve and commit to standing against the empire. The Eorzean alliance will go to war, and each leader burns their copy of Gaius's demands, and then they begin to strategize. Yeah. Nanamo says, hey, you go back to the Waking Sands, and we'll call you once we're done with our- They have to form the strategy. Yeah. They have to put together the, yeah, all of the details of the battle, which will be multi-pronged. So we pray return to the Waking Sands and arrive back at the interior, which is a bit of a step up from the last time we were here. Yes. Yes. And it is it is great, but it is still very, it's bittersweet. The lights are back on. It's relatively cleaned up in the main halls. Um, we have people, uh, they've, they're hanging out in the space again. So I took a little detour into the break room. That's what I'm calling that room. Break room, storeroom, library, whatever. I call it the common room. There you go. That's a better name. And I just say hello to the people that are there. Again, it's like five, six people. There are four people there that you can talk to. And then there are a few uninteractable NPCs who are doing their business as well. Arnvald is there. Yes. Spoke to him. Um, he is, he is fired up. I'm glad to see him. But it is, uh, Orianger is hanging out there, of course. Um, but we have another uh, Scion. She's just kind of picking through the rubble. And another one who is still just completely devastated. She's just on the floor with her head hanging. It, pr- it probably feels just really awful to be back in that space. But we persist. Yeah. After that detour, we head into the solar and find all the big name ranking Scions and affiliates inside. You can talk to all of them again. Wedge is still anxious about Tataru's affections, <laughs> and she is all business. Well, she has no fucking idea. Or she no. might. I don't know. I love it. She's just like, got stuff to do. Ba-da-da-da. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. But we're not going to sit around here and wait for the Alliance to call us. We're going to make our own plans. With Thancred on her mind, Minfilia gives us um, an Asian lore dump. She tells us, or reminds us, as the case may be, that Asians are immortal, incorporeal creatures. Since time immemorial, they have fanned the flames of chaos from the shadows. And they can possess mortals through the use of artifacts known as Crystals of Darkness. And this is also the key to saving Thancred. So she whips out this dark purple crystal, which looks just like the kind of cut cylindrical gemstones that we've been collecting, the elemental crystals. This is a replica, though, from the students of Baldessian. An artifact like this should be somewhere on Thancred's person, allowing him to be possessed by Lahabrea. So if we can find this and destroy it, then we can free Thancred. We'll get our Thancred back! Um, so obviously that's not the priority right now, but having an idea of like what is going on and a, and a potential solution, huge. Good. Cool. Keep that in the back of your minds. The Scions also remark about how Thancred had been working so hard to fill the void left by Louis Soi. And so he was doing everything he could, working long hours. Like Ida said, working himself to the point where he was just dizzy, could barely stand. This is a huge element of Thancred's character. Um, he is deeply insecure. He feels like he has, he is constantly on the road to redemption. Like he'll never get there. He can't possibly do enough. And that's like really sad, but that is exactly what got him to be in such a vulnerable position. And also it's mentioned that his exhaustion may have weakened his will and made him more susceptible to possession. Again, self-care, <laughs> get plenty of sleep, work-life balance, and now therapy. Here's when we are called the Warrior of Light. Minfilia talks to us, recalling how the past warriors saved the realm five years ago. And there's been talk now about us in the same fashion. And she does indeed believe that we are such, guided here by the crystal's light. We could have told her that 40 levels ago, <laughs> that we got the big crystal energy. You know why I'm here? Fucking Hydaelyn sent me. Yep. So I'm just going to go ahead and adopt the title Warrior of Light. Because it's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, she's looking at us and like, remember the warriors are like, and when I look at you, you remind me of them. So, ta-da. I mean, that's huge. Yes. Because also she is a possessor of the Echo. So not that hearing this from somebody else without the Echo would not be as significant, but I don't know. It just has a different weight to it. Knowing that she has the ability to know things other people can't know. We take a little break. 
And then Alphano comes in with word that Eorzea has made its plans. They have laid out this whole operation. And he whips out a map and we get a cutscene showing us all of the planned maneuvers. Love it. I love this because also at this point, just kind of the general layout of where everything is in relation to everything else. You, I don't know. Like I honestly seeing this map and seeing like how where Lanosia is, where Ulda is, where Gridania is. I'm like, oh, okay. They're very far apart. <laughs> um, you know, we can just zip around. It, it seems like they're literally next door. I mean, honestly, like we kind of like we can literally walk from one place to the other. But whatever. I love the way they visualize this because it's like we're we're standing at one of these giant war tactic tables that you see all over this game, um, and in housing items. <laughs> so we get a view of the entire map of Western Eorzea, and then every castrum is marked on the map. The plan is to attack every single castrum at the same time in an overwhelming counteroffensive. Yes. So there, there are four phases. First off, the castrums. This, I think, is the first time we actually get a list of all of them. Totally. We can see them in the wild, but these are now named to us. And there are a couple that we really didn't have any idea existed. Um, and it, it all comes to bear in um, this operation. And it all comes to bear in just how easily the uh, the Empire could... I mean, they're everywhere. Yes. They're they're in it. So the list is Castrum Oxidens in eastern Lanosia, Castrum Marinum, which is in the sea between Vilbrand and Ulda, or Thanalan. Strategically a huge boon for the Empire. Then there is Castrum Meridianum in northern Thanalan. Cape Westwind in Western Thanalan, which is connected to Marinum by a Magitech transporter. Castrum Oriens at the far east end of the Twelves Wood. This one we can't access directly. But we can see. We can line up right against that wall. Yep. And finally, there is Castrum Sentry in Mordona, which we just escaped from. We're very familiar with this. The objective of this operation is to destroy the Ultima Weapon which is housed in an interior fortress inside Castrum Meridianum. And it's called the Praetorium. Yes. These preceding operations against the other Castrums will allow us to create an opening to attack the weapon directly. Yes. So there are four phases to the operation. Phase one. We are isolating Castrum Meridianum from the rest of the network. Um, and this is especially important because this is Gaius' seat of rule and the home of the Ultima Weapon. In this endeavor, we are going to take out one of his most trusted lieutenants and a brilliant tactician, and that is the pre, uh, the Prefectus Rittatensas Arvina. We are going to intercept him at Cape Westwind. Uh, he's normally stationed at Castrum Occidens, and this is where he um, develops all of their battle tactics and, and strategies and things. But he's going to Cape Westwind for a, an inspection, and this is where we're going to grab him. And so what's uh, yeah. interesting here, Jen, is that it says in the cutscene that, that we're going to lead an elite adventurer unit, mm -hmm. but actually that, that doesn't happen, period, in the actual event. It's just, it's right, because that's um, an echo of the previous version. Right. I'm assuming it might have been a miss or something that they didn't think, change no, the text. I think it's, I think it's okay. So it's not, quote unquote, like an adventurer group it's the allied forces it which is, are definitely not an adventurer group yeah so um i'm just guessing like we can just kind of hand wave it that other adventurers are involved in the diversionary tactics which is also a critical part of this operation yes it's fine it's just a nitpick I, about, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 but i'm like i'm still okay with it phase two um and then again we're still looking at the map and all like the little logos you know like the maelstrom logo and the uh the the garlean empire logos are just kind of moving around the map it's so it's so cute and also it's for visual people like me amazing so phase two and every time there's a battle you get sounds of like oh, ching, it's, ching, oh ching. it's so cute so we've got like uh you know allied forces meeting up at uh one of the castrums and then it's like sword challenge and Anyway, okay, phase two. Phase two. So when Rattatan is spotted at Cape Westwind, the Maelstrom will descend upon Castrum Occidens in his absence. Uh, Merlveb will then lead an armada to Castrum Marinum, and the Order of the Twin Adder will surround Castrum Oriens with the help of the Sylphs. So the moment that we spy Rattatan at Cape Westwinds, these three things will deploy simultaneously. This is critical. 
and this is following up on the Sylph's promise to help us as vengeance for Noraxia. Yes, and Ido says during the discussion that Frixio has just been itching for some vengeance. Phase three will be the infiltration of Castrum Meridianum now that they've been kind of cut off from everything. The Immortal Flames will march against the Stronghold and then an elite unit, us, will infiltrate. Um, we need to disable the magitic field generator that protects the Praetorium. And then the Twin Adder will blockade the railway between Sentry and Meridianum. And that will prevent reinforcements from Mordona, which could be intense because, legend has it, that train is huge. And Estrella is like, thank God they didn't give it wings. Right? Nobody tell them. And then phase four, with Meridianum thoroughly compromised, we will enter the Praetorium and destroy the Ultima weapon. Easy. Easy peasy. So, like, there are steps within steps within steps. Every single one of these needs to succeed. This does a good job of making you feel like everyone's involved. Everyone's involved. This is do or die. Um, it it makes you feel, like, really invested in everything that's going on. Like, yeah, no, I, like, I felt it. Unlike anything that's happened previously, the fact that, you know, I mean, you're here. You're looking at literally all of these things that need to go off without a hitch. For for this to work, right? Like this, this is it. We're on the, we're on the precipice. A lot of pressure. Alpha No tells us that the other Aorzean power players will be backing up this venture. Limsa's privateers, the monetarists. In all, there will be twelve major factions in this operation. Huge. An auspicious number. Mm-hmm. And Alpha No makes this point too, saying that legend has it that there were twelve archons, and so this has been dubbed Operation Archon. Nice. The Archons being referenced here are not the title in Charlayan. This is actually a band of 12 saviors that helped warn people of the impending floods during the Sixth Calamity. And this is also the place that the Charlayans, the Circle of Knowing, with Louis Swab got their Archon title from. So they're both drawing from this same event in the, um, the Sixth Umbral Age. God, everything is just dripping with significance. Yes. So the Scions are dispatched to their respective territories to help coordinate. Even Tataru is involved in the mission, joining Urian J in keeping the Uldah monetarists in line. No profiteering from this operation. Y'all. Please, and thank you. I could not find an official list of all 12 participants, the actual 12 major factions, hmm. but this is what I can surmise. Okay. So we have the Twin Adders, the Immortal Flames, the Maelstrom, Scions of the Seventh Dawn, the Monetarists, Limsa's Pirates, the Sylphs, and the Adventurer's Guild in Mordona backing us up. That's eight. Those are very straightforward. The remaining four are difficult to discern because it really depends on how you break up the other participants. For instance, Limsa has several major privateer crews yes. that you could call their own factions, like yeah. the Bloody Executioners, but also it's... I feel like that's probably one of them, honestly. Well, Maybe because there's also the standing forces of every city-state that are likely tapped as well. Right, Ulda, the God's Quiver. Yeah, Gordania's God's Quiver mm-hmm. and Wood Whalers. Mm-hmm. Limsa has the Yellow Jackets. Mm-hmm. Wulda has the Brass Blades and Stone Torches. Oh, and also, we're past 12. So. Also the Sultan Sworn, right. which maybe they're not involved, but they're, they're a major player. So yeah. And also there's the Ironworks too, which is not a major faction. I think we can lump them under Scions. Because they're unaffiliated with a nationality, you know? They're not, they help us out, but they're their own corporation too. True. So pretty much it's hard to say where the, the 12 major factions break down given all the moving parts. Yeah. And maybe some Eorzean Alliance marketing person just said, it's 12. So we could call it Operation right. Archon. It's like, it's the Akatl 20 something. Yeah. We're just going to call them Akatl 9 because exactly. that's cool. <laughs> It is very snappy, but there's a lot of people involved in this. I kind of hope the Cattle Nine are involved in some way, too. That would be amazing. Probably not. Probably not. No, we could we, we can could use their ship. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's okay, okay, fine. We're working on it. The problem being, though, like all side quests, is that it cannot be canon for the main quest because it's optional. Right, yeah. The timing of things is very... Yep. Y- you can't control that shit, yeah. Which is why sometimes the devs make you do side content before main content. This is now canon, guys. Do the shit. Uh, right. So you can proceed. Yeah. It is upsetting that the binding... Totally optional. You don't have to do that shit. Uh, it should be mandatory. 
like a hundred percent should be mandatory. They would have to refresh it first, and they talked actually. Oh, oh, they did more fan fest talk. They did. But- oh, they did because um, Ishikawa was like, "Please go do this series of quests because it is so informative." And she draws comparisons from scenes in that whole raid, or no, oh, um, it's a raid series. Yes. Yeah. So she's she pulled direct comparisons for two scenes that we see in Endwalker. We will be doing that as soon as we can, as soon as that unlocks. Um, there are some other steps oh, to do well, after. Well, it's going to be so fun. If we can get enough people interested, it would be great to also do it synced as well. Oh, totally. To see the mechanics. Absolutely. But the main focus, though, is getting the those cutscenes. It's exactly. the story. It's yep. so, so informative. There's so much context. You will cry. It's like it is. It is huge that they don't make you do this. Anyway, back to Operation Archon. Okay. We head out on our first personal assignment of the operation, heading up the coast of Thanalan to Cape Westwind. So just north of Vesper Bay, um, we are meeting with the Allied Communications Officer. Um, he's the one who's going to be giving us our, our missions officially. But, but before I walk out of the Waking Sands, I just I touch base with Tataru because she's she's back in her in her little seat. Just I just want to see what she has to say after all of this. And um, in, in, in pure like admin fashion... She's bemoaning the Scions' roles um, and how, like, people are just signing up left and right. She she can hardly enter them into the system fast enough. But don't worry about it. I put a she put a little flower next to our name for easy reference. I'm like, oh, thanks, girl. Okay. Anyway, so off to um, Cape Westmond. Cape. Well, it's not Cape. Well, we're on the way. So I'm hitting up the the dude. We get the mission. We are just. Just outside Cape Westwind, where we meet up with Lieutenant Adelbert. Um, this is a very striking Highlander man um, with a cool, uh, like, tribal cutout in his buzz cut. <laughs> and so what they're going to do is uh, they're in charge of the diversions. So they're going to pull as many Imperial soldiers away from the entrance of Cape Westwind as they can so we can sneak in. And we do. We have to sneak past... Okay, and if you've done if you've done the Amalja tribe quests, this will feel very sim- similar. The sneaking around, trying to gauge fields of vision, waiting till somebody turns around, like because otherwise you will fight twenty dudes before you get to the gate. What I did is I took a boat up and I just ran through it. <laughs> Screw all this aggro, <laughs> and then at the final it's point. Insane. I stopped to fight everyone who was still on my tail after I got to the actual duty entry point. That is one way to do it. Yeah. I mean, like, legit, that's a way to do it. I did not. I I was sneaking around. And if there's a guy standing in front of a gate, I'll just pull him, fight him, and then walk in like I own the place. Rinse and repeat. Cape Westwind is among the most slapshod of the Imperial outposts. Yeah, it is. The castrums that we visit have just transformed the land. They have rolled out their modular gates and floor plates Mm -hmm. and walls and so on and transformed the landscape into this dark metal squat, fuck you or the empire. It's like a factory floor. Yep. But Cape Westwind, though, this is actually kind of integrated into the sand and stone of Thanalan itself. So they have these little modular gates that they've put up at every kind of natural choke point where the surrounding boulders kind of make a funnel to the the further points of the cape. Yeah. And then they have these tank trap-esque things as well, storage containers and so on, yeah. although on the dusty ground. It's like they kind of plop them down on the actual landscape. But everything here, there's like four successive gates leading up to the Magitech transporter. And you can see it on the very tip of the cape. It's a big metal ring that has a cord running out to a rocky spire in the sea. And built around this spire is the actual Castrum Marinum. Right. This is Stargate. So they, they actually need power, it seems like, coming from the Castrum to power the transporter because they have that power cord. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is. Because they can't, obviously, they cannot manipulate ether. So, yeah, it, it, that's it. You've yep. got power and data cable running <laughs> along the seafloor, much like real life. And I'm not sure if you looked at the castrum. Westwind? No, the castrum. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, there there are lots of, like, random buildings way out to sea that you will never get to visit. There is this big, rocky pinnacle 
that comes straight out of the ocean, and they have just clamped on all these metal attachments to it to build the caster up. Gotta do what you gotta do. So we either sneak or brute force our way up to the um the, the inner checkpoint of Cape Westwind, and we come face to face with Rotaten in his Magitek armor, Minotaur S Kelm, and dual gun shields named Tartarus. He immediately recognizes us as the Icon Slayer. Oh yeah, bitch. Here we are. You knew this day would come. To his credit, the, the man is clearly a, a, a brilliant tactician because he sees exactly what's going on here. I'm like, oh, so the diversionary tactics, uh, that's all so that you get in here. And that means you're trying to destroy me so that you can weaken Castrum Oxidans. And he tells his uh, the Centurions flanking him, um, make sure you warn them that the uh, Lumensons, Lumensons are coming. This really annoyed me because... These two Centurions, they run right past our character. I, know. I feel it's like, like we like gaze after them like maybe did you really stop just... the messengers, you know? Like don't let them pass. Yeah, I could have just like whipped out a couple of daggers and then slit their Achilles tendons and then like, oh, you're not warning anybody. Like, th- this will have a cost in lives if Castrum Oxidens is warned and you're just standing there, warrior of light, and letting these guys yeah, walk like, past we're, you. We're so it's so tunnel vision, like our mission is to destroy Red Totten. Whatever. It's okay. But it did feel weird that yeah. they did slowly jogged within five feet of us. And we literally like watched them go. Change the scenes blocking so they don't have to go past us to get <laughs> that, out. That's the part. Yeah. yeah if, they, if they ran back into the castrum, that would make sense. Yep. Because then they probably have some communications tools in there. I don't know where the fuck they're going running out. I, I don't. Whatever. Whatever. So after his soldiers retreat past us, Rotodden keeps talking to us and he gives off that he is another true believer in the imperial propaganda. Oh, he's he's he is swimming in the flavor rate. Yep. Gaius has been working for 15 years to deliver you Eorzeans from your suffering. Each land that the empire conquers is freed from strife and poverty, much uh, like Rotodden's was. I disagree, but I'll- I went looking again. I tried last time we met him. I tried again to find out where, where he he's is from. from. I cannot find confirmation. I no. don't think it exists. We, at least not in, you know, like so many of these lands that the the races we've um, come to know are from are unnamed. It's like a general, like nebulous, like, you know, from the faraway mountains of blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's not like, you know, like Alamigo we know, but we know Rattatan is not originally from Alamigo. Right. So here's what I got. He's a Rogadin. Yes. So he could be from a Rogadin region, but also people mix it up too. So well, no guarantees there. Well, he's definitely of Seawolf origin because of his name. Like his name is his name. What he acquired as the honorific in Garlean military terminology, I guess, is uh, the Sas Arvinus. Yep. And we also know that it was consumed by infighting before the Empire conquered it. But that could also be imperial propaganda saying, hey, 100%. kids, your, your home sucked until we came along, so you're welcome. Well, So no yeah. guarantees about its history, just its reported history. And that's, it, it reminded me, listening to him talk, he's just repeating all of the speaking points that Gaius yep. just repeats over and over again. Um, and it just, it made me very keenly aware of, like, political situations in where we live. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of that. So, like, he was ripe for plucking by the the Garleans. More though about his his deal. As mentioned, his weapons are called Tartarus, and almost every damn move he uses in the upcoming fight is called Tartarus something or Tartarian something. Yeah. Tartarus is part of the Greek underworld, and during his fight, one of his lines is something like, here's a technique I learned from my homeland. Yeah. And then he does a Tartarus move. Yeah. So... It's it's not a guarantee because maybe his weapons were named that before he got them, but he is steeped in this this one word of Greek mythology, right? At least something very significant, which is interesting. But we we don't have a Greece analog as a homeland, except the most recent expansion has a lot of Greek shit in it, but that is not compatible with not at all Ritaden. Yeah, I I can't think of a place that would be highly Grecian in origins. Oh. Not even Grecian, but it, they've just, for whatever reason, like that chunk of the mythology was significant to his homeland. I'm just grasping at, Scra- uh, at sure. straws because it's all yeah. we have available to us yeah. right now. So is- definitely he's a he's a, a sea wolf and um, he did not dis- he did not agree 
with the way his homeland was being run to the point that he was uh championing the uh the empire and completely subjugating his people like it's just yeah the man is touched yeah if any listeners have more clues please do weigh in totes anyway though he promises us a peaceful and icon-free utopia. No. If we just stop fighting our saviors, nope. guys. Nope. Knock it off. It'll all be good. I don't believe you. <laughs> because we've watched you do this to other people and like they're not happy about it at all. Like that's nightmares, nightmare shit that you're doing. He though, he touts Gaius as evidence that the Empire's rule is just. <laughs> and we well know that Gaius is also way up in the propaganda. He is empire pilled to shit and back. Oh, for sure. You so, know, he's he's got this he's got this like savior complex like, going on. If Gaius were the Empire, maybe we could trust his words because Gaius lives his words. He walks the walk. He does, yes. However, we know though that Gaius, though a true believer and very honorable in his own way, he's got his own hypocrisies, which we'll get to soon. Correct, correct. Um he's so like I and I was thinking about this. I'm like, I, I actually kind of appreciate the letter by which he lives, but the spirit is fucked up. Yeah. So he's like his obviously, you know, an icon free existence Everybody can get on board with that, but not the way he's going to go about it. No. So he's that that's an, a tremendous blind spot that he has. He cannot see it. And he's yeah, he's just so up in his own shit that he he, he like he can't he can't see what he's doing. Sure. And I do think that Gaius gives him a skewed view of the Empire because we know from other experiences that Gaius is also kind of an, an exception as well. In a yes. sense. Yeah. Things are a bit more... I guess I think that the the vision departs from reality in places that are not on the forefront of Gaius's of the 14th Crusades. We got recent evidence of that of Alamigo, which Gaius helped to conquer. Right. But now we have fucked up shit going there as evidenced by um, what's his name from the escape from Castrum Sentry, the Alamigan that helped us. Oh, 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 ah. Uh, uh, so this was the guy that was like, all right, you're going to need some uniforms. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Don't remember his um, name. Anyway, Sorry, anyway, like Alamigo is a fresh conquest and things are fucked there already. Yeah, just you know, war crimes upon war crimes. Yep. So this promise is heavily false, though I think Rutaden has his own little tunnel vision. 100%. You know, he, here's our, our just fight that he is acting under and he is fully on board with this. He is kind of like a, a weird epitome of like a, a perfect commander in a way. Like right. he cares about his, his own soldiers. He cares about the mission. And he sends them away. He'd rather spare them a death at our hands versus have them even do their duty. I mean, this man, Gaius chose wisely in Rattatan. Yep. For real. Um, he is, like you said, a true believer, but he is also a man of honor. Um, so delusions aside, this man does everything, you know, he acts in accordance of someone who who lives by like a high like moral code. Like yep. he, he holds himself to a very high standard. And I love that. And I, I think the rework of this battle shows it shows so much more respect to who he is. Yeah, he's on like the wrong side, quote unquote. He deserved better. <laughs> the, the initial battle was an embarrassment and it embarrassed him and his legacy. And I don't think that was fair. And they, they fixed it. Indeed, as Gaius has given Rattatan a noble cause and noble adversaries, us, he is not wont to bear his steel needlessly, but if we are deaf to reason. This is a three-phase fight against him, a solo battle. It's very cool. Us and Rattatan. Yeah, it's great. So phase one, the fight. Rattatan is just winding up here. And overall, this fight is a huge mechanical step up because oh, when yeah. they remade the fight, they brought in modern 14 mechanics yeah. into A Realm Reborn. And I feel like this would be a huge kind of like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. For new players oh, going through this. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, if you don't do this multiple times over, I mean, you're some kind of savant. Like, that's crazy. So already he drops some basic AoEs in this fight, like always, but these ones are huge. You have to hustle to get out of them because they will fuck you up if you don't start moving ASAP. And, oh, what an amazing learning tool this is. Incredible. All of these 
lessons and mechanics you will carry forward for the rest of your in-game experience. Just straight up. Another new trick, though, that he shows first-time players is the Tartarian 4, which is his directional shield. Mm. Oh, that's a cool one. Yep. So you'll put up a big barrier in front of him. And if you attack him from the front, you're going to get your attack reflected back to you and get fucked up. Yep. Great. Tartarian 2, he will smash the arena, causing energy cracks to form underneath him and ripple out from his point of impact. And when these reach the arena's edge, they will explode. This is, I'm not going to call it the first time, it might have been elsewhere, but this is a trick used a lot in later encounters where a move will be telegraphed not by a big danger circle, Mm -hmm. but by a graphical effect that resolves. Yeah, so you have to kind of predict the math on where these things are going to end up. You have to find where the safe safe space is going to be, because if you wait until the AoE circle appears, it is too late. You have not made it. So you need to be super aware of, okay, there's going to be four impact spots on the ground. They're going to travel outwards. There's going to be a clear gap. Um, There's going to be a a larger space between two of them. And that's where you need to go. Yep. Finally, when he's down to low health, he will do what I would call a soft enrage, where he will just keep on smashing the ground, doing arena-wide damage, unavoidable, until you burn him down. Mm -hmm. So you're forced to pull out all the stops, just focus on him, or you'll get knocked down by his repeated damage against you. Yeah. So we take him down. We win. Or so we think. He's down. He's defeated as as far as we know and he knows. But his soldiers come running back to back him up. Oh, yeah. We got four centuries. From his prone position, he yells at them, I told you to run. But Uh. they're, they're so loyal to him that they're like... We will give our lives to try and, and back you up. Yeah. Rattaten. And also, again, this speaks to the character of Rattaten, which is like tremendous. So four of his centuries come back and like Rattaten is prone the whole time, but he's still like throwing out some things, every whatever he can do um, while the four of them are chasing after us and, and fighting us. And it gets pretty spicy because it's, you know, it's four dudes. Yep. But we kill them and this pisses him off. This need for vengeance for his troops now gets him back on his feet. He surges back into the fight to exact revenge on us for killing his troops. Yeah, this is a warrior moment. And now phase two is like phase one, but more intense. The area attacks get bigger. The tomb attack makes more lines of energy, leaving only one safe spot in the arena. If we survive that, he goes down again and we think it's over. We're walking away. Oh, I love this. Okay, I mean, this this is a cliche. A cinematic cliche up the wazoo. So the end, it's a, it's a brief cutscene that's animated, and we, we're we walking away from Rattatan's prone body, and then we see a finger twitch. But thank God they didn't go full bore on this on this fucking cliche, where we're totally caught unawares. Like, we get it. We sense it. We turn around, and the man is, is now, like, desperate. He knows he's going to die here, but he'll be damned if he doesn't take us down with him. Yep. So the final phase is one big DPS check. Yeah. Rotaden oh. is going to home gang you to his side, so he'll chain you next to him. You cannot move, period, but you can act. Yeah, don't don't try to escape. Just hit him. He sits the ground everything you have. Underneath you on fire. Yeah. And then just dumps big area of effect attacks into your face. You can't dodge them. You'll just have to go. do everything you can Pull to burn him exactly Absolutely. before yes. he takes you down. We finally fill him. He's beat to shit. His armor is burnt up. His armor. Like it is, it has been eaten by this. He's had us both just engulfed in flames this entire time, and his armor shows it. It is really, it's really intense. And he collapses, lamenting that he failed Gaius. Ugh. His final sentiment is to Gaius. Yeah. And how he has disappointed his commander. Yeah. The fray, though, has disrupted the Magitech transporter. It explodes into a pillar of red energy, visible from way down the coastline. And we see Sid and Alphano exclaiming over our victory. And they ping us on the old Link Pearl to congratulate us. So this is huge. If we failed here, the entire rest of the operation falls apart. Yep. There's nowhere to go. So yes, the pressure on this moment, and I, I felt this when I first did it, and I felt it again, is is really poignant. So it feels like a tremendous victory, even though it's one step of like 15. There is much rejoicing. That's all the way down the coast, though. Oh, yeah. Back to our character... We walk away from the cape with the transporter down, Rotaden dead, and the possessed Thancred, Thancabrea, <laughs> materializes behind us in the ruins of the transporter. And then he monologues to himself about our victory, 
Alas, the gate to the void already stands open, and darkness shall consume all. Okay. We shall bow before the one true God, and then, unbeknownst to us, Thangabrea teleports out. Yeah. Thanks for the, the villain's speech they, there. They love to do that. Just pop in, monologue to themselves. And I'm so glad that things changed <laughs> in the future. Yeah. It's a bit much. I, right. But is this the first time they mentioned the one true God? Yes, I think so. Yep. And so in his speech, he refers to Heidelin by name, but then he also refers to the one true God. Obviously, Heidelin isn't the one true God, which leads us to wonder, who are they talking about? Hmm. Then we cut over to the Praetorium, seeing Gaius, Nero, and Livia in the command center. An officer reports to Gaius on our victory. So Rotaten is slain, and... This hits them pretty hard, uh, Livia especially, and uh, this the um, I think it's a centurion, but I don't know. Anyway, the, the the person delivering the report, he's like, ah, but there's more. So the other legs of that operation have also succeeded. So we have uh, we have arrived at Castrum Occidens. We are engaging in battle there. Uh, the teleporter f- between Marinum and Westwind that's been destroyed. And the Limpsons, again, are on Castrum Marinum as well. Fuck. But back to the news of Rotaten's slaying. Gaius immediately assumes that um, Rotaten's soldiers bailed on him. And the reason that they bailed on him is because he's not Garlean. And like he's immediately pissed off that his soldiers abandoned him. And he assumes that it's because of because of that. So, like, he's, like, keenly aware of how Rotaten felt always like an outsider and had to work especially hard to, you know, overcome that. So he's, like, he's, like, the Imperial Thancred. Um, He can never do enough. Mm -hmm. Um, He is all in on this cause. And that is really upsetting. And I I wanted to scream at Gaius, like, no, like, you know, his people came, they came back for him. They fought for him. And, And unfortunately, the guy... Um, the officer that's given the report, he doesn't have this information. He can't speak for them or yep. about them, unfortunately. So I like, yeah, we, we can't apply any bomb to like Gaius's uh, suspicions there. That's okay. Fuck a Gaius. I, I kind of, you know, but I, I do appreciate like he's always like got Rotaten's back. Like he doesn't want to hear it. Like, no, he isn't Garlean, but that doesn't fucking matter. So yeah, I just, the, the trials that Rotaten must have faced, even within, you know, after ab- adopting Garlemald as his new as his new home and his position as, you know, like as a way of, of thanking them, I guess. Everything that they reworked here is in service to um, Rotaten, and it's good. It's, it's, he's worthy of it. The Centurion is going on reporting on the various Eorzean operations, and Gaius is like, okay, I get it. And he dismisses the Centurion. Right, it's like, okay, I got it. Now we gotta, we have to do something. So this is their answer, utters Gaius. Very well. We shall crush them as we crushed the icons. Back on the coast again, with our character, we're updated as well on the assault's progress. Everything is going great. <laughs> as the mirror to the, the bad news in the right, castrum. right. And that means it's our turn to head towards northern Thanalan to prepare for the assault on Castrum Meridianum. And that's where we leave off this time. So, Jen, um... There it is. You you went on about Rotaten quite a bit. Any other thoughts on him that you do not voice beforehand? Um, no. I mean, we like you said, we know very little about him. But from what we can glean from our very limited interactions with this man and uh, the battle that ensued, you know, yeah, we can we can take take away some impressions, and they're all, despite him being who he is within the Empire, um, they're really positive. I mean, if this is, if this is like. You know, like the Amalja in a warrior culture, he would be held in such high regard. Sure, but also... It but al- he's delusional, it, unfortunately. It's a lack of morality, too, you might say, because he is absorbing the message and not the reality. I don't and, think that's a lack of morality. Well, it, he's been steeped in it, don't get me wrong, and there, you know, he, he, I'm sure, was disadvantaged in terms of just being surrounded by, here's the Empire, they're so great. But I guarantee you, he has seen some fucked up shit in his time with the empire 
and he has either kind of memory hold that or turned a blind eye or something. It's all for the greater good. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it. So in, in with that, you know, singular purpose in mind, uh, which is, like I said, and the man is built out of blind spots. Yes, he is definitely noble in his own way, but also he has chosen to champion this cause too. And we, we do yeah. see... It's the wrong decision. Imperials that have different thoughts, Biggs and Wedge, for instance. Oh, sure. It's not the only path is to to go whole in on this. No, no, no. So let's talk about the original Cape Westwind. Cape Westwind classic. I've only done this once. And really? it was, yeah. Never in a roulette or something like that? Maybe once. I No, yep, once. Because then I was able to be like, oh, gird your loins. This is going to be a tough one. Yeah. Oh, God. They got me, though. Like, it worked on me the first time, of course. Cape Westwind was not always this impressive showdown between the Warrior of Light and Rotodden. This was updated in the six-point-something patch series. I don't recall when exactly. Before this update, though, Cape Westwind was a trial between you with a group of players and Rotodden. This is one of the memefied encounters of, of the older version um, mm-hmm. of old Final Fantasy back in the five point and minus days, where it would be a hazing practice for yeah. experienced players when they got pulled into Cape Westwind on a new player's first time to talk it up a lot in chat while people are inside the the, the pre pre fight oh yeah box yeah circle so any any sprouts that were present we're going to see messages like all right guys you got your markers up um make sure you um eat any buff foods that you have um this is a really intense fight you know like going into it as if it were a savage raid <laughs> like they were putting the fear in you so i was very very nervous um i didn't know what map markers were and yeah uh i i did not have have high hopes i was like fuck and with all of the story that you just experienced leading up to this moment, like both of those things together, you're very worried. And so it's you and however many other players against Rotaten and um, the fight starts and then the fight's over. It is the easiest goddamn fight. It It's nothing. It's a fucking nothing of a fight. It was it took like, I don't know, 30 seconds for yeah. him to go down. <laughs> And then I'm like, oh, you guys. And everybody's like, GG, ha ha ha, have fun in the, fun in the story. You know, like, <laughs> I love that. It's like, you know, being a freshman versus being a senior where, it, and then the second time I did it, I was able to kind of pretend that it was going to be a really hard fight. It was, it was, it's just joyful. It's so fun. So I do miss that. I miss, not that there aren't other opportunities to do that, but I do, I do kind of, Missed that opportunity for a little hazing. It's that kind of was the easiest fight in the game, I'm pretty sure, by a <laughs> yeah, good margin. Yeah. Like, like, I, like I fought a Yarzon just outside the gates, and that was harder. However, I have seen a lot of messages, actually, while I was doing my episode prep this time, about new players struggling with this fight. Oh, it's hard. So it seems yeah. like this actually has become a bit of a wall because these mechanics are brand new um, in a lot of cases to them. Yes, absolutely. Gear is critical here. You should, if you've been doing your job quests, at least Correct. have your artifact armor. You will have your artifact armor. Um, so put that shit on. If you are crafting... Please be fucking crafting. Craft, please. Um, and so that if you're like a goldsmith, you'll be able to get all of your right-hand side shit leveled up because artifact gear doesn't include that stuff. Yep. But it, all of that will help. Like, do that. You're probably going to have to do it uh, a few times. I like, I can't imagine. Yeah, you are this on your own really here. Difficult. You can't count on a party that knows the fight to carry you. You right. have to do it yourself. Right. So that is a big step up and a big change for the first timers. Um, it might take a couple of times. But again, it's like learning new mechanics. We've all been there. And um, it's all very important shit to learn. Um, The third phase will probably fuck with you mentally. Um, The fact that you cannot escape. And for a while there, I'm like, ah, do I need like an Asuna? Or like, do I pop a boat? Like, no, no, no. You just don't. You don't. You're stuck there. Deal with it. And that was like, oh, okay. It's just a long ass DPS check. Love it. This was my first time doing this too with the new version. And during the entire third phase, I had no idea what was happening. Right. So I had my like move key held down the entire time mm. in case the debuff came off. But wow. I also was like, okay, I'm able to act. So I'm not going to waste my cooldowns. Always be casting. Yeah. I can see though, like you're saying, if you're a first timer, you're like, I'm in the shit. I can't move. Yeah, what do I, I do? Yeah. I, like you're not sure if you're doing it right. Yeah. Um, You are. You're just, you're stuck there. Adopt it. 
grow up in it, whatever, you know. Um, I was born in the flame. There you go. I live in it. Yes. Because, yeah, you will live in it until you until you kill him. Any other comments on today's episode, Jen? Nope. Okay. So next time we are picking up where we left off here. We are going to be playing through the entirety of Operation Archon before we start hitting that side content again. Next time we'll be playing through the quest Rock the Castrum. And then in two episodes, we'll be finishing off the main story of 2.0, A Realm Reborn. And that will do it for today's episode. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to join our brand new shiny as Discord, you can check the show notes, join, chat, share screenshots, all that good stuff. Talk about FanFest. Yeah. And then it'll be so it'll, old. It'll be so old by, by this time. time. This yeah. <laughs> you can still talk about it, but you know. Yeah. What do we think the new jobs will be? And then uh, otherwise you can uh, hit us up uh, via email at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com. And I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, We love you. And I hope you have a good day or night. And we will see you next time. Pray leave the military matters to us and retire to the waking sands.